turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll also be in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 today, as we have some time, and I'm going to have to be kind of brief about it, but uh, we wanted to have some special time of recognition today for for moms, and uh, as Kimma said, the flowers are for all of you ladies, and you are sure welcome to, uh, to take that in recognition of you. I have sure been nurtured by people that were not moms, but they were sure awesome mothers to me besides my own mom, amen? You've probably had some people like that in your life as well that just blessed you over and over again. Listen to this scripture this morning. I want to read just a couple of verses, and uh, then we'll, we'll dive in. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and you're welcome to stand in honor of his word. Uh, it says these words, I have been reminded of your sincere faith. Who's he talking to? This is Paul talking to young Timothy, a young pastor. And we find out later in the passage that he has quite a gift of the evangelist uh, in his life as well. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives also in you. For this reason, I'm reminded I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but of a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. Jump all the way down to verse 13. It says this, What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Let's pray. Father, teach us your word by the power of your Holy Spirit as we just read. Help us to understand what we've read, and may it go deep into our hearts. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, uh, my dad used to uh, find different ways to help me in my preaching. The biggest thing he did is he always found out what my schedule was and where I was speaking and the exact time, and time changes, that was always the funny part. He would have to figure that out. But he would pray for me every single time I spoke. And uh, if I would just simply let him know of my schedule before he passed on some years ago. So that uh, is a sweet memory today. But one of the things he used to do is he knew I loved to tell stories. And he knew I loved to use illustrations. And he uh, would get me different different things such as Reader's Digest and the Saturday Evening Post and other things. And in the Saturday Evening Post, this story is told about little Billy. And Billy was about eight years old. And Billy's mom was sick and in the hospital. So he called his grandmother, her mom, and says, Grandma, the twins, Roxy, my little sister, little baby uh, Ralphie and dad and me and the dog, we're all home alone. Mom's in the hospital. Now, you'll get that at lunch today, but it sort of feels like you're at home alone when mom isn't there, isn't it? Does it feel like that to you? Uh, it kind of does, huh? Uh, you may be batching it, and uh, you are just uh, without mom, and it does make a difference. Curtis Martin was a tremendous football player in the NFL. In fact, he ended up on the fourth on the all-time rushing list, and he played for some other teams 
that we don't care so much about around here, but they were, you know, their teams, New York Jets, and he also played the bulk of his time for that team that's done pretty good in the last several years, the New England Patriots. And, you know, around here, we're Cowboy fans, right? So uh, there's no Patriot fans in here, right? Right? Yeah. All right, don't raise your hand if you are. I, but, you know, things have been good for you, that's for sure. It's been a sweet ride lately. And uh, cowboys are coming back, amen? They will. We're just wondering if it's going to be this decade, amen? I mean, it's been like that for about 20 years now. We're wondering when we're going to get back in, back in the thick of it. Curtis Martin grew up in a very rough area of a major city, inner city, he was alone with his mom like so many uh, young, uh, young men uh, in that setting. And uh, he was asked, what was the secret to his success? And he said, the secret to my success is God and my mom in that order. Now, he had professed his faith in Jesus Christ. He also told about how he was just a little bit afraid of his mom even after he was a professional football player he still had a little bit of fear that she might just get him in the middle of the night while he's sleeping if if he didn't live right and she stayed on him and many of his friends had been shot and killed as they were growing up because of that environment and he said the one thing I didn't want to do is I did not want to displease my mom he told the story about him playing football against the Buffalo Bills and in those days they had Bruce Smith on the Buffalo Bills, which was an incredible defensive uh, tackle, if you remember. And he just had Curtis's number that, that day. Man tackling him, he's tackling him on both sides, left and right side of the field. And anyway, his mother came down the field and gets a hold of his face. In fact, they said that that little commercial that the soup company did was actually from what happened with his mother. But he came down, she came down, grabbed grabbed him by the face and just said, you okay? Didn't have a good game. And then she looked at Bruce Smith as he's walking across the field. She said, I'm mad at you. (laughs) I want to tell you something, man, you know your mom's in your corner, don't you? It's always just a wonderful thing, and it sure was that way in my life, and I'm so thankful for Pat Kennedy Jude that uh, has just been such an incredible blessing in my life. I want you to look with me at the scriptures this morning. The Bible tells us to train a child in the way they should go, and when they get old, they will not turn or depart from it. And some of you are sitting here, and you are waiting for your child to get old, aren't you? You're waiting. Lord, please, whatever that means, let my child get old. I want to see him live for you. Would you please let him get old before I leave this life? I have been there with so many parents and prayed with you, and you hang in there. It's coming. Philippians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says about young Timothy these words. He says, as a spiritual father, he says, I have no one like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. It's interesting, the Greek text that that word welfare can be translated to mean your overall health, life, your spiritual life, your married life, your family life, that it means every part of your aspect, especially your spiritual life, that he has a deep love. So that we hear that about Timothy. It's interesting to realize that Timothy's faith came 
through not just Paul, but came through a godly grandmother and mother. And today I want to zoom in on that today because it's so very important in this life that we live. Let me share with you a couple of things, and I'm going to just do this very quickly this morning. One is Lois and Eunice had a faith that was simply a contagious faith. How do I know it was contagious? Because this boy bought in. This grandson, this son bought into the gospel. It's so important you realize how powerful the gospel of Jesus Christ is in your life and your witness that you live it out, share it, live it. And here's something that's very interesting. It was bought. In Acts chapter 16, verse 1, the scriptures tell us that Eunice, Timothy's mom, was a Jewess. Now, it's interesting to look at that because it has a lot of indicators about what her heritage was and how uh, committed she was to her uh, Jewish faith, but also that she was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and that she radically shared that with him. Uh, The Bible also tells us here in this passage that it was not just bought by Timothy, but it was taught. Look at what it says, but as for you, I'm in chapter 3 now of 2 Timothy, I'm in verse 14, it says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned, he's talking to Timothy, and have become convinced of, because you know, you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness and then i want to read verse 17 in just a minute they taught him the scripture now what we know they taught him was this from just reading this passage we know that they taught him about the savior how do we know that because the passage says this i'm going to quote it from now out of the new american standard bible translation listen to this and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? These parents, this mom, this grandma, had literally shared the gospel with Timothy, and he had bought in. He accepted Christ. They also taught the scriptures. Look at what it says next. In verse 15 it says, "...and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures." What can you give a child that's more important than the Word of God and Jesus? If you're giving a child Jesus and the Word of God, man, I'm patting you on the back right now because that's powerful. If you can give them the Scriptures, absolute truth from the Word of God, and they start having that investment young in their life, it's powerful. Missionologists, I want to give you just a little missionology uh, example here. Missionologists tell us that what is going on in the world in Christianity is that there are pockets where Christianity for centuries has been dominant. And they really key in on Europe these days. They tell us because of the immigration that's going on with the Muslim nations of the world and also the lack of birth rate in these Christian nations. What is going to happen in Europe right within the next 10 years 20 years is there are multiple countries there in Europe because those that are from Christian heritages and those that are in churches that are not doing much and they're in decline 
they are not passing on their faith on any great way. There's not a revival going on. There's not a movement of God. And here's what's happening. They tell us that many of those countries, that if you're below 2.1 on a reproduction scale, listen to this, this is so important because it's one of the ways God spreads Christianity. 2.1 on a reproduction scale, that it takes that, in other words, having 2.1 kids per couple that are Christians, you have to have that for a culture to continue to exist and thrive as that's the minimum that that a culture will stay the type of religious heritage that it's had in days gone by. Now, missionologists are really on to something about this. There are countries all over Europe where the reproduction population in those Christian former countries or dominant Christian nations, now the the population, the reproduction population is 1.3, 1.4, 1.5, 1.6. What that tells you is this, with the flood of immigrants coming from so many Muslim nations and them having so many children, they say that many of those nations will be totally dominated as a Muslim culture in a very short period of time. Some, it's already happening now, and they say within 10 to 20 years, Europe will not be what you have known it as for centuries. It will be a Muslim-dominated continent. In the United States, the birth rate is guess what? Here's what they're warning us. They're telling us. It's, it's not too late for you to do something. There needs to be a movement of God in the church of Jesus Christ. That's the big thing. That's how people come to Christ sweeping movements of the Holy Spirit of God. The church gets on fire and people are swept into the kingdom. Amen? The birth rate, the reproduction rate in the United States, and I'm leaving one people group in the United States out of this, is 1.6. Sorry, 1.4. Things have changed a lot. When I got married, I was... 21 years old. And the youth hear that, and college students now, and they go, wow, man, you were like a kid. You know, the average age now for a first marriage is 26 and a half, and it's moving towards 27 very rapidly. Now, here's what's happening in our culture. Lots of things have played into that that dynamic. Sexual promiscuity is one of them. Not honoring or believing marriage is the way that people are to live together, is another. It takes a lot of money to make it these days. That's another reason people are putting it off. And more and more people are being more highly educated. And there's debt because of that. So there's multiple reasons why this plays out. Here's what's so important for you to understand. If our reproduction numbers are 1.4, See, people just aren't valuing children, and they're not having children. Listen to me. There's one thing that saved the United States of America on this statistic. The Hispanic population is reproducing at 2.7. The Hispanic population, when you mix it in with all the other groups, guess what happens in the United States? the bar is raised to 2.1. The Hispanic population that's very focused on family life 
you follow me? Is helping America be able to maintain a culture of Christianity in these United States, even with immigrants coming from all over the world and we're having lots of Muslim influx here too. But let me share with you something. They're telling us that if that continues, it will help America to stay Christian for many decades, maybe up to 40. But after that, if it declines like these other cultures have, the U.S. will go the way of Europe. And we've been having all kinds of people tell us this was going to happen. And here, I mean, I know that sound, this is all a bunch of numbers. But here's the thing. When the Hispanic population is added to that, the, it's raised to 2.1. That is the minimum of maintaining a religious culture in a society. How important is family to the foundation of a nation? The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs these words. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The Bible tells us that family is central. God built it that way. You, you hearing what I'm saying? We need a movement of God. We need an event like Harvest America coming to our city and giving us an upshot in Christianity and a shot in the arm. And we're going to be all about that and sharing in that. But family is the safest way to continue a culture far as it being a Christian culture or environment. I was told I was moving to the Bible Belt at DFW. I have discovered that if this is the Bible Belt, the, belt, the buckle is loose. Wouldn't you agree? There's only literally about a third of people, fourth of people that are, that are in churches this morning. So it's interesting, I mean, that, that's not a Christian culture any longer, is it? It's important for us to acknowledge that. And the reason I told you that story is because family is so central to the continuation of the faith. That's what we're talking about in this passage. Who won this young boy? Was it Paul? No. Who won him? His grandmother. And the Bible tells us not only did he learn the scriptures, all scripture is God breathed. It tells from infancy you've learned the Holy Scriptures. Look at that last verse, verse 17. And it says, it tells us that the scriptures have been given for what? That they're God breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God, the woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped to every good work. See, they were teaching him about service too. You learn salvation from the scriptures. You learn and have Jesus the Savior, and then you're going to serve the rest of your days. That's what life is about. They taught him those three S's, Savior, Scripture, and service. Isn't that amazing? That's what they put into this boy. Look at this. Let me share with you that they also their faith was a courageous faith. The Bible says that they, if you read back in the first chapter, it says that their faith was not one that was one of timidity. He may have had some struggles himself in being a stand-up pastor, being an evangelist. The passage tells us about. But he says, God didn't give you that spirit. God gave you a spirit of power and of love and of, the King James would translate it, sound mind, or the NIV says self-discipline. Listen to this. 
There is a saying that is a Spanish proverb, and boy, oh boy, does this make me feel good. An ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. An ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. Wow. It's true, isn't it? (laughs) I get so little time with them. You've got them every day, and boy, your life can so impact them. But it's of love and of power and of sound mind. Listen, the Bible talks about uh, Queen Victoria when she was asked why her nation was great and why was they, they were such a dominant power. She held up a Bible and said, this Bible is what I lead my nation by. I believe in its teachings. I believe in the Savior. And I believe you can be great, Chief, if you will honor the teachings. And that, that guy came to Christ. And that whole village, many of them followed the Lord. Third of all, let me just share this. Their faith was a continuous faith. It's important that we just don't get excited and fired up and just be that way for a while. We need to be on fire for God and be continuous in our service to Him. The passage says this. Paul told young, this young pastor, I know whom I believe. I have a no-so salvation. And he's committed to it. He tells him about that. That he's a, one that's going to continue in that. In the teachings of Scripture, he's going to better himself because of understanding who his Savior is and serving him and living out the Scriptures. Let me leave you with a story, and I just simply share this with you today because uh, I had a friend at Liberty. In fact, we, we, uh, we even dated for a short time, and then we realized that wasn't for us. And, uh, of course, you know, I had this lady to be my bride down the road. But uh, anyway, her name was Julie Trotloff. Julie was uh, featured, the first, first magazine publication when I was at Liberty, Dr. Falwell had had her on an interview, and, and uh, she, you know, so I, I knew her story as soon as I got there because I saw it in this big magazine. But Julie uh, tells, tells a story about her mom and her dad. When she was a child, she was going down the Ventura Highway with her parents in a 58 uh, Chevy pickup, and those are the ones with the big bonnet, uh, you know, area where you would, you would sit in the cab. And uh, anyway, it was a car wreck. And it was a big pile up, and they got hit and uh, flipped, and then they landed on their side. Well, the dad didn't have a, a, a gas cap on that truck. He just had a rag stuck down in there, and it landed on the side of the truck that the gas was pouring out underneath them, and all four of them, her and her little brother, her mom and her dad were stuck in the cab of that 58 Chevy. Dad starts to climb out, but some, somebody, just not even thinking, is walking to check on people and had a cigarette and flipped the cigarette, and it landed in that gasoline. Boom. The dad's climbing out as the flames are coming up in the cab, and he gets up, and he's... And Here's, here's what Julie said are her last two memories of her mother. One, she led her to Jesus about two weeks before that. One night when she was going to bed, she led her in the sinner's prayer and she accepted Jesus Christ with her mother. She said that stands out more than anything. She said the other is the sacrifice of the last moment and breath she had burning and screaming in pain she lifted my brother and she lifted me up to our dad and then when my dad reached back for her she had collapsed in the fire and she's gone 
She said, so when I look at my mom, I see her life and I see the sacrifice and the sacrifice is obvious. But the testimony she would give is, as I watch households, I watch moms sacrifice every day. I mean, who fed you at your house? You might have had this super dad too, but I want to tell you, my generation just started helping some, right? I mean, and the generation before that, mom, she probably did all the stuff. She fed you, took care of you. My goodness, she carried you in her body for nine months and then gave birth to you. She changed you. I mean, she really changed you. She did it all for you. And Julie would just emphasize that. She says, I now see a family, and I watch a mom, and so many times a dad too, and I watch them sacrifice, give of themselves. And I just think, boy, is that not the heart of the picture of Christianity? Jesus came to serve others. He came to give his life. And my mom actually did physically give her life for me and i watch moms all the time sacrifice every day i want to tell you something there is great reward in sacrifice god promises that those sacrifices will not seem like much when we get to the kingdom of heaven but on this day that we celebrate motherhood the ultimate sacrifice that was given for you was jesus christ dying on a cross and coming back to life to give you hope and to give you a pathway to go to God. That's the ultimate sacrifice that's taken place. But you can't be here today without your mom, your dad. And you could say, well, man, you don't know my story. You don't know my story. I had a bad mom. My mom wasn't in my life. She gave me up. She still gave you birth. She carried you. That's a blessing right there. You could have a bad dad. I had, I had a few of those before I got a good one. And I want to tell you something. We can, we can wallow in that, or we can be thankful for the sacrifices that they did make. And I encourage you to think about that today and decide that you're going to be sacrificial yourself in giving yourself away. You know, it's been said that in this life, only what done, is done for Christ is going to last. It's so true, isn't it? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. And in this time of invitation, we, want, we may want to come and pray for our mom, our dad, our family. Maybe you want to come and pray with them. And Father, today we may want to come and pray for them. Maybe, maybe they never came to Christ, and that's a burden now. So I pray, whatever the burden may be. Lord, there's all kinds of needs in here. There's people that have wanted to have children, and, and they were not able to. I pray that this would be a day of comfort for them and those roses and what it says on there, that they would take one in, in recognition of who they are and just the blessing that they are to many in their life. And Lord, we just ask today that even those that have experienced abortions and made choices in days gone by where this day may be very painful for that reason, we pray that this would be a day of forgiveness and Lord, of turning towards your uh, all-consuming love that you have father may they find forgiveness not only from you but for for from them for for themselves to forgive themselves of where they've been and what's going on lord we thank you for life and we thank you for our mothers in christ's name 
Amen.